This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Paul Gorst and Sean Bradbury both with me as we look back at the weekend's game with Burnley and then ahead to the return of the Champions League and the trip to Italy to play Inter Milan. We are, of course, live, so if you've got any questions, do throw them into the comments section. We'll try and get to the best of those as we go along. But, Gorsty, we'll start with Burnley, chronological as ever. It wasn't a great game. It's not going to live very long in the memory, I wouldn't have thought, for Liverpool fans. But Liverpool did win, and, of course, that is the only thing that matters. Yeah, um, it's kind of stereotypical, cliche, unmistakably Burnley, wasn't it? Absolutely lashing down with rain. Wind really affected the game. Liverpool couldn't get into the rhythm at all. And um, Liverpool had to come through a really tough game, didn't he? Um, not tough as in Burnley were putting them under all kinds of pressure. Just more the fact that um, Liverpool didn't really perform to the, anywhere near the level that we used to see in them at. Um, and Burnley had a little bit of a go. I mean, you can see why Burnley are struggling down the bottom end of the Premier League because they they had so much effort and endeavour and work rate and willingness to to give it a go but just lacked any real kind of cutting edge in certain moments and it was a little bit strange watching the highlights back this morning on Match of the Day and they were showing the the supposed Burnley chances and about four of them were offside and um, they just kind of just glossed over the fact that offside you know isn't offside and and that's the kind of a byproduct of the uh, the directive to raise the flags late, isn't it? It looks as though, you know, the perception is that these teams are having chances, and that you know, where Liverpool are concerned, that will probably happen more often than not because Liverpool play with a high line and like to catch teams offside more so than than any other. So um, Liverpool never really struggled; they didn't really cough up too many big chances for. Uh, for Burnley, Wout Weghorst had one, didn't he, with the counter-attack. Um, Trent got back. It was going wide anyway. But, yeah, I think um, at the end of the day, it was a uh, tough game. Liverpool have come through it. Clean sheet. Uh, and it's been a quietly big week for Liverpool, you know, coming off that Leicester win and, and the win yesterday. Because um, a couple of difficult fixtures there, potential banana skins. And, you know, if Liverpool drop any points now, you know, the title is over for me. I think City had really just kind of on that cusp of disappearing over the hill. So Liverpool have got to pick up every point possible and try and stay on the coattails for as long as they can. So um, all in all, a, a quietly satisfactory week for Liverpool. Yeah, Ghosty mentions there that the high line, Sean, it's something I wanted to, to come to. Obviously, the late flags and, and all the rest of it. There was a fair bit of talk again around Liverpool giving up these opportunities. But I think it's it's not just the fact that a lot of these chances that Burnley had were offside, but it's also a fundamental part of the way that Liverpool play as well. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on it are, but I mean, I, I just found it really bizarre, really, the kind of, of way that people were talking about what Liverpool do. And it, it clearly works. They've done it for, for several seasons now. Oh, absolutely. And I think you only had to listen to Klopp after the game. And more to the point, there was an absolutely brilliant little clip with Fabinho where they didn't directly refer to the offside, but they said to him, you know, what did you make of Bailey's chances? They had a lot of chances. And the face he pulled, we've got it in the story on the Echo website. And if anyone hasn't seen it, don't even have to read the story. Just go to the website and look at his face because, you know, he was he was puzzled and baffled by this idea that Bailey had... It wasn't necessarily been implied they'd been all over Liverpool, but they, you know they really came on strong and put them under pressure. 
I, I totally agree, Matt. I think it, it's Liverpool are absolute masters at that. And, you know, it, it didn't really feel like one of those games that, that you know, in, in recent seasons, you've seen this sometimes in Liverpool, certainly not when they won the title. That was one where you give them a lead at 1-0, 2-0, even 2-1, and you just back them to see it out. But we, we've all been at Anfield or in away grounds where you've seen Liverpool have a slender lead, go into the last 15-20, and you've been concerned about it. But it just didn't even feel like a game like that whatsoever. I thought the the line was doing its job, uh, as as Gorsi's referred to already. There were a couple of occasions where Alisson then went on to have to make a save, but but he didn't have to make a save, did he? Because you know the, the flag very soon went up, um, and I just think Liverpool. The, the story of the game should be how well Liverpool locked it down. You know, they they, they got a set piece opening goal, and after a, maybe a shaky start that was a, a bit of a basketball game to begin with. Played very well. Uh, a set piece opening goal, as I say, that, that's happened quite a few times recently, and has negotiated Liverpool through what could have been a tough spell with the main fellas playing in the Africa Cup of Nations. But then from from Thiago o'clock onwards, for, you know that that last half hour, I don't think Bailey realistically had a sniff, and it was a very professional job from Liverpool to see the game out. Excellent game management. That you know the correct changes were made at the right time. So I, I think. It was, it was as Gorsi said. You know, it is. It's the classic banana skin, and if you're ever going to picture a, a grisly and grim away day at Burnley, even the conditions obviously played their part as well to really put that picture into play. But Liverpool did it brilliantly, and, and let's not forget as well what's been happening. Seems to happen every week. That's probably my mind playing tricks on me a little bit there. But you know, City went and got their win, didn't they? Did it convincingly ahead of Liverpool on on the match day, the match week. And then Liverpool have responded in, in excellent fashion. And all of this as well, whilst having half an eye in the back of people's minds, they'd have been thinking a little bit about Inter midweek, wouldn't they? And obviously, I think team selection played into that, the, the way that they did just try and see the game out rather than necessarily going all out to push for a second. But, you know, big game on the horizon, very big game one at the weekend, potentially in the context of the title race. And I think all of that adds up to why Klopp was so happy at the end and he was giving it the fists to the away end, wasn't he? Which you wouldn't necessarily expect to turf more, but entirely justified on this occasion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sean mentions the, the team selection there, Gorsty. I think we spoke a little bit about Thiago giving Liverpool control and obviously he starts on the bench, presumably with Inter Milan in mind midweek. But I just thought when he came on, that the kind of level of control that Liverpool had, the, that 31 minutes or, or whatever it was that he was on the pitch for, you, you could really see the difference that he makes in that midfield. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was probably aided by the player who he replaced. I think Henderson uh, was, was particularly poor yesterday and I think I don't think he's had a good few weeks, if I'm honest. I think looking back to the derby at the beginning of December, he was sensational. And then since then, you know, a combination of things have culminated in him having a really dip in form. So um, with Thiago replacing him, it was noticeable how much Liverpool were, how much more comfortable they were in possession. Burnley weren't, you know, getting at them anywhere near as much as they had done or tried to, at least in the previous hour that preceded it. Um, and that's what he brings, isn't it, Thiago? You know, he, he can keep the ball all day. So, you know, such a varied range of passing. If he wants to play it short and keep it simple, he can do. If he wants to unlock a defence and play it one over the top or play it wide, he can do that as well. So um, I think the key, to, key for him now is just stay fit. Um, in the kind of same vein that John Matip has proven this season, stay fit and you'll be a big part of this Liverpool team. And I think um, everywhere you look now, you know, everyone's fit and that's great news. But Thiago in particular, if he does, you know, stay free of injury, then Liverpool have got 
a massive chance of, of success this season, however that looks, you know, whether it's a Carabao Cup final win or the Bill are going to go all out for the Champions League, aren't they? Or maybe, just maybe, can even haul back City in this Premier League title. So, yeah, I thought he was excellent. Um, I thought he, he played well against Leicester as well. So, um, you know, the longer he stays fit, the better it is for Liverpool. And this game on Wednesday night, you know, they're... These are the types of games that made Liverpool bring him to Liverpool. So, um, yeah, it's uh, just about him staying fit now because he's he's top quality, isn't he? Yeah, really good partnership he's got as well, Sean, with Fabinho, who was was excellent as well. Obviously, the, the match winner for Liverpool, five goals in seven games, I think it is for him in this calendar year. He was, was so, so good again yesterday, wasn't he? Ah, oh, excellent. I mean, he's just... So so reliable and 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 like Klopp said in in the interviews after the game, he's finally putting them in some attacking positions and he's getting his just reward. But I think it speaks to just how well Liverpool have done in recent weeks in general. You know, it almost felt like defence and defensive midfield was the priority. You know, get those clean sheets, which in the league games without Mane and Salah they've done three out of four. I think wasn't it? Okay, Palace did get a goal, but Liverpool still got the win. But just the all-round defensive play, which obviously Fabinho is, is a huge part of, has been excellent. And like we said before, like the, the set pieces, the the attacking threat from them, which obviously in a massive part comes from the guys at the back as well. And obviously Trent and Robertson are the ones often who swing the balls in. I, I was looking back at the, at, at the opening goals, as I mentioned before, and I was just slightly veering away from Fabinho. But once again, you saw a Trent delivery like like at Leicester, and then someone does something well, like Van Dijk's powerful header at Schmeichel for the Jota goal, or Mane's deft little flick this time, and Fabinho charged in on the end of it. But it's almost like in the absence of the of the main fellas up front, not only has Jota really excelled and raised this game, but the defence have been on point. The, the line has been excellent, as we mentioned, and they've looked a real threat in the box. You know, Matip's got an assist as well, hasn't he? You, you can really look across the team and look at how everyone's stepped up. But yeah, I, I think you're right. No one really embodies it more than Fabinho, who's just, he is the first name on the team sheet in midfield, isn't he? Quite clearly. And I think as Gorsty said, Thiago's been hugely impressive. The longer they stay fit and stay in tandem, the deeper Liverpool season can go on all fronts, I'd say. Henderson's a strange one because still love him as a player. think the decision to give him the new contract was was the correct one. Um, and, you know, you, you want him around the squad. He's obviously a great leader. He's a versatile player. Probably is the, the backup number six, isn't he, if, if Fabinho isn't available. But there have been times where he looks like he's maybe a touch more easily pressured. His passing's a little bit rushed and sloppy this season. And, and you did see that again at the weekend, albeit he had that knock, didn't he, where he kind of got, got booked and, and took a knock in the same incident. But, I mean, we'll come on to our team selections for Inter, but I think right now, in this moment, if, if Liverpool, if you're picking Liverpool's, not necessarily the, the first choice from three, but if, you, if you're looking at a player to keep the ball, let's say, and, and, and deal with what the San Siro will throw at Liverpool, I'm not sure Henderson gets in that team in midweek as much as he's a big game player and he's proven himself time and time again for Liverpool. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a lot for Klopp to think about in midfield, but whether Fabinho starts if he's fit is, is a very, very easy decision. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of, of options in all areas. I'm sure we'll come to those a, a little bit later. There was just a, a couple more players I wanted to, to touch on from Burnley. Sadio Mane, of course, back. Gorsty from the AFCON. His first game back, his first start as well, thrown in straight away from the beginning. What did you sort of make of, of him? I know there was a little bit of chat around him not being particularly good, but I thought he was OK. Nothing special, but maybe not quite as, as electric as he has been at certain times. 
Yeah, I think it'd be a bit harsh to be overly critical of him. He's obviously played a lot of football with Senegal at the AFCON, a successful AFCON. He spent most of the week um, celebrating in his homeland. And, and um, if he hasn't been celebrating, he's probably in bed, as, as Jürgen Klopp's been saying. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too critical of him. I think um, Klopp said himself that he wasn't expected to start. It was only because Jota complained of a dead leg that he thought that Mane would have to, to be thrown in. So um thought he'd done okay. Um couple of incidents in the first half and he kind of got in behind um, Burnley but in a good cross that Ben Mee cut out well um, so yeah I mean he will he will have better days uh, no doubt but um, it's just great to, to have him back isn't it Eman Salah um, just gives a, a massive lift to the rest of the squad and looking at it now there's so many combinations for, for Klopp to choose from in, in terms of his front three the rest of the season and obviously immediately at Inter on Wednesday, you know, you're thinking does he go Diaz or Mane? Does he go Jota on the left and play Firmino down the middle? Um, obviously Salah's always going to be nailed on if he's, if he's fit, but generally at the moment, I don't, don't remember too many times when Liverpool can make as many different kind of chops and changes to the front three and it still look like it's a, a top-class forward line, so um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be Exciting watching it all unfold this week and, and for the next, what, three months? Yeah, Lewis Diaz was another one I was going to pick out, Sean. I know Jurgen Klopp mentioned at the end that it maybe wasn't the best suitable game to, to throw him into, given it's kind of the, the Burnley thing, the conditions of it and all the rest of it. But was that a sign, do you think, of, of Liverpool just easing him into life in the Premier League? Or was it more a case of Burnley just being a bit of an exception? Bit of both. I, I think it would have been one of those games. I'd, I'd lump Diaz in with Elliot here, where perhaps next season, if if Burnley are still in the Premier League, uh, it's it's a game where if the right conditions are there and it's and it's not on a on a horrible blustery day like that, you can play some of your flair players and and, and chance them. But yeah, I just think at the stage Diaz was and at the at the point of his recovery that Elliot is at, I couldn't totally understand why they they didn't feature. Um, you know, it was just it was a game for a bit of caution and, and just to show a bit of sense, wasn't it? And I think the, the thing that we shouldn't forget is Liverpool did well to get that opening goal from the set piece, backed themselves to grind the game out and almost kind of just win it attritionally. But, you know, these options were on the bench, weren't they? If, if the game had gone differently and uh, Reg Horst, who was very impressive, as we said before, had, had popped up and, and put one away and Liverpool had to push and chase the game late on, they just had all these incredible options on the bench, didn't they? And, and that's the absolute beauty of it. But yeah, I think it was just good games, game management and sens- sensible decision-making all around, really. And yeah, that, that explains the Diaz situation. By the way, Matt, Jim, we were talking before about obviously Liverpool being so good at catching teams offside. Um, just looking at the stats here, Liverpool have um, won 90 offsides this season and the second closest to them is Brentford with 49. So just shows you how... <laughs> Much of a you know part of the strategy that it is, you know, for Liverpool. So when it's kind of being framed that Burnley have had a, a proper good go at it, it doesn't really stack up, does it? And I think they were caught offside seven times yesterday. So um, Liverpool were always in in full control of that game for me. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Very much a, a deliberate tactic, isn't it? I'm sure it's a, a tactic Liverpool will continue to use, starting, of course, in the Champions League next. So we'll uh, 
preview that one against Inter Milan Gorsty. We were having a little chat before we came on air actually about them and there are obviously a number of notable names that, that people will know from Inter but what are you sort of expecting? Obviously Liverpool have been to Milan already this season, the last Champions League game they won in Milan in the San Siro but probably a, a bit of a, a different challenge this time around. Possibly, yeah. I mean, they're the Serie A champions, aren't they? But they've, um, the squad's been significantly uh, affected since the summer when they lost Lukaku, they lost um, Hakimi and obviously Antonio Conte, who, who led them to the title. So a um, bit of a different challenge from the one that they would have faced if they drew them last season. But looking across the squad, you know, there's more kind of household names or recognisable names that... I was expecting, to be honest. Obviously, Alexis Sanchez is still there. Ed Dzeko is still one of their key players. Um, Robin uh, Goosens, who plays for who played for Atalanta, Liverpool have come up against him before. Toro Martinez is another one that some fans will know. Um, so they've got plenty of, of quality. And, and you mentioned that Barella's suspended. I think that's a big boost for Liverpool because seeing a bit of him in the Euros for Italy and, and he looks a quality player as well. So um, I don't think it's... Um, I think Liverpool should be favourites across the two legs, but I don't think it's necessarily an, an easy draw by any stretch. I think Liverpool would have taken, or rather, have taken the. Um, remember the the one that didn't stand. If you remember when Liverpool drew Salzburg, and then there was that um, bizarre nature of having to do the redraw, wasn't it? But um, Liverpool will go into a confident because I think over the two legs, Liverpool won't fear anyone in the Champions League. But it's uh, still still a difficult one. Um, but going back to the San Siro. Said, I think Liverpool were considering midweek in virtually everything they did against Burnley, albeit it was still a very professional job. But Inter don't come into this one in in the absolute best form, given how the standards they've set so far this season, which which are very very high. You know they did pretty well in Europe to get through and did enough of a job, but they, but they've been excellent in the league. In, in it, I think they've only lost a couple and might be the top scorers, and and you know they don't concede many. But due with Napoli at the weekend. Um, lost to AC as well, you know, not fairly, fairly recently, this month. So compare that to Liverpool, who, the, the, what the, the talk will be in that dressing room is, you know, how well they've done without some of their main players who've now just come back. You've got Diaz to throw into the mix. I, I just think that there's, there's a lot more to be confident about coming into this game if you're in that away dressing room going into Wednesday, I would say. And you always feel like you, you've got to win the game if you're at home in the first leg. That'll be playing on in his mind. I think that this, yeah, Liverpool. I've got a lot to take stock in ahead of Wednesday. Um, it's interesting. We, we published a story this morning with some comments from Benitez, who's, I think he's doing the rounds a little bit um, in some of the the foreign media as he perhaps looks to move on. And and he was giving his take on it, uh, and he said whoever has control of the ball will prevail across these two ties. Pointed to three five two, which which Inter usually play pretty pretty rigidly or with a very slightly tweaked variant of that. Uh, with a one-one up front, and and yeah, he was saying you know that that can cause Liverpool and, and other teams some problems if you're not used to facing it. But I often feel if if a team goes three-five-two and and really commits to pushing players on, okay, a five can swamp Liverpool's midfield three if they're not switched on, but that doesn't happen very often. And a three at the back, so often against Liverpool, you're going to come up against three elite attackers, aren't you? And they might be aided and abetted by by Trent and Robertson if they're getting further forward as well. So, I don't know. Maybe I'd love to see the stats on this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I always fancy Liverpool against the 3-5-2. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be interesting. But, yeah, Rafa, Rafa thinks it'll be a toss, but I, I think Liverpool will, wouldn't quite say comfortably, but I, I don't think they'll lose on Wednesday and I think they'll win at Anfield. 
Yeah, certainly big favourites. It's interesting with the sort of three at the back thing. It's It reminded me actually of the, the Roma game, which was another one where against Italian opposition, Liverpool yeah. kind of blow them away. It does kind of feel like, Gorsty, when Liverpool play these Italian teams, they're not quite used to sort of facing the kind of intensity that Liverpool have got. And if you can make it an intense game, you can make it one in the, the midfield. Probably Liverpool come out on top in that. I think so. Certainly Liverpool have a few years back would have absolutely flown out the traps wouldn't they and look to have you know flicked that switch really you know it's like the Roma semi-final in uh, 2018 was it um but I think Liverpool have got a few more strings to the bow these days I think they they can be a bit more pragmatic and a bit more um willing to um to soak up pressure if, if they need to um I don't think Liverpool could have done that as well a few years ago but they've, they've still got that little kind of bit of electricity about them when they have to certainly in Anfield so um, I think I think they'd be happy to take a draw to be honest um, certainly a score draw and then get into back to Anfield and, and look to put the tight to bed there but um, it'd be an, an interesting one moment because you know it's Liverpool haven't played into Milan for what was it 14 years now so uh, you know two completely different squads and I'm, I'm looking at the, the Champions League lineups and I'm thinking with the exception of City and Bayern Munich, there's no one who, who you'd be worried about Liverpool playing over the two legs. So I think it's not um, it's not a gimme by any stretch, but it's a it's it's an interesting couple of ties, and I think Liverpool have enough about them to um, to see off into whether that's you know I, I don't think I don't think they're going to put the tight bed in the first leg per se, but I think if they um, come away from the San Siro with a score draw or anything. More than that, then um, I, th- I think they will fancy themselves to get into the was it the uh, the quarterfinals. Yeah, I'm sure you you sort of fancy them to to get a goal or two in every game, don't you? And I think in the the Champions League, obviously the away goals coming into it and all the rest of it, that's a a big advantage, Sean. I mean, is is that the the important thing? Do you think to to sort of not necessarily keep Inter at bay, but just kind of go all out, get a couple of away goals, and, and make sure that Liverpool have got that in the bag compared to the the second leg. Possibly, and I think you know the, some of the conditions are there to go and have a go. Given that after this game, Liverpool have got a couple of home ties, haven't they? Against slightly weaker opposition, you'd say in the form of Norwich and Leeds before Carabao Cup final. So I think you can you can really attack this game, and then best one on the world if you can't bring let's say Kanate and, and a couple of others in at the weekend, and maybe even midweek next week against those teams and get three points. Then you know Liverpool don't deserve to be chasing City down. So, yeah, I think I think they can certainly see it like that. But in, in a strange way, I think the way that they were in the last hour against Burnley, where they, they really sought to control the ball and, and shut the game down, I think a bit of that mentality will be needed as well. Because, as I said before, if, if you're at home first in, in the Champions League in, in, a, in a two-legged knockout tie, I mean, traditionally that's seen as the way round you don't want it to be, isn't it? But I, I've, to be honest, ironically, I always quite fancy Liverpool when when they're in that situation because, as we said before, even or pre-Klopp, you know, the, the cop could bring its own intensity, couldn't it? No matter what manager was at the helm and how the team normally played. But I think Liverpool, we, we've seen this a lot of times in recent years, have the ability to go, all right, then it's on us in this first leg. We'll try and blow you away. But Inter would be quite unwise to try and do that against Liverpool I think they look defensively well set the attackers whichever three take to the field on Wednesday night 
are going to be absolutely lethal and dangerous. And, you know, if you've got, let's say, Thiago, Fabinho plus one, which which we will come on to, pulling the strings behind them, I think, you know, you can't be too gung-ho. So, to be honest, I, I actually think this will be a little bit more low scoring um, than than perhaps some of the, the first legs and, and the away games we saw in, in the group stage of the Champions League this time where Liverpool were quite freewheeling, weren't they? And there was, there was a lot of goals in them. Um, at least a couple in each game, wasn't it? Away from home, if I remember rightly. So, yeah, um, we'll come on to predictions, but I, I don't think there'll be too many goals in this one. But I think Liverpool will come away a lot happier. Well, one thing I would say is um, you look back at Liverpool in the Champions League in recent years, and not so much making an excuse for them, but there the were certain caveats to why they lost to Atletico Madrid and why they lost to Real Madrid in terms of they had no senior centre backs against Real Madrid, did they? Um, the Atletico Madrid was game such a strange kind of on the cusp of, of the COVID kind of world shutdown, wasn't it? Just just before it, Liverpool absolutely hammered the door down that night against Atletico and somehow still came away with a defeat. Um, that was a bit of a strange situation. But other than those two games, Liverpool have been, you know, better than every team they've come up against in the Champions League for for a good few years now, you know, when you think they've gone all the way to back back to back finals, one in Madrid, um, and he's absolutely breezed through the so called group of death this time around. So Liverpool are, are a serious team now in in the uh, at the top table of of European football. So I think it's going to be more teams scared of them than they will be of other teams, and I think it's probably fall into that category. Yeah, definitely. I should clarify as well before we move on. The away goals rule has been scrapped, so that was a, a mistake on my part. But still, if you score goals away from home, it's better than not doing so, isn't it? So it's still mm. the, the same sort of, of broad uh, sort of point, isn't it, for, for that? But uh, yeah, just before we, we finish then, we'll move on to our team selections, Gorsty. I'll, I'll come over to you first. Obviously, we know Alison Becker will be in goal. Is it the, the same back four that it was against Burnley for you, or is there any changes in there? Um, well, I was surprised that Matip started at Burnley, actually. Um, I had him kind of earmarked for this one, so don't see uh, any reason to move him out of it. Liverpool's defence has been really good, actually, in recent weeks. I think they've only conceded two in the last seven games. One was against Cardiff, uh, the other one was against Palace. They both won those games. So, yeah, it's um, a familiar back five for me. Yeah, same for me. I was slightly surprised to see Matip in there. There is an argument, Sean, to bring Canate in, but would you be keeping it the same or, or mixing it up a little bit? No, I absolutely agree with you guys. I think, like I said before, and I agree with you as well, it was a slight surprise, especially against Burnley, that, that Canate didn't feature. But I wonder if they've seen this little run as two blocks of two games. You know, Burnley and Inter are the biggies. You need to win that Premier League game away from home. You need to go and get a result in Italy and, and not be out the tie in that first leg. And then Norwich and Leeds, you can maybe rotate a little bit more ahead of the Chelsea final, in which case, obviously, the, the, the main players come back in. So, yeah, I think I think we'll definitely see Canate at the weekend. We might even see him again next Wednesday, but totally agree with it. It's that back five for me. Yeah, there's plenty of, of games coming up, isn't there, where you can make a couple of changes. Probably Inter is, is one that you go as, as strong as possible for. And I suppose that'll be the, the same in midfield, Gorsty, as well. I mean, there's there's lots and lots of options in that area. But mm -hmm. for me, I know Sean mentioned Jordan Henderson didn't play particularly well at, at the weekend, but I just I, I struggle to see a Liverpool team lining up without him. For me, it's it's going to be Fabinho, Thiago and, and Henderson. That's, that's the midfield I think Klopp will play. Um, I just wonder whether... Might be a little chance for Nabi Keita, um alongside Thiago and Fabinho. Um, 
I think Hater might might have a little beaners banner to to make it you know a bit of a mark because last season in the in in this round of the Champions League he got taken off before half time and had to feed to Real Madrid and that was his last start of the season. Um, oh no, sorry, no, it wasn't because Liverpool beat Salzburg didn't he first? But yeah, I just think since since that defeat to Real Madrid when he, he was taken, you know, it was such a strange one because Klopp took him off like two minutes before half time and normally. When the change like that happens, you just assume it's an injury and he can't make it to, to half-time. But Klopp said that it was tactical, which I thought was strange, as he didn't see it through to half-time and then make the change. So I just think maybe Keitage might just have something in his mind that he wants to go and put that right. Um, you know, knockout phases of the Champions League are what all players want to be involved in, isn't it? And I think Thiago was rested for this game in mind and, and Fabinho now is just you know an automatic starter isn't he if he's fit so that'd be my midfield but, uh, but uh, I agree with you Matt I think Klopp will go with the tried and trusted Henderson and um, Fabinho and Thiago who in fairness haven't played much together have they? Yeah it was the, the first time wasn't it on uh, on Sunday that Thiago, Fabinho and Keita have played together what did you, you make of, of that Sean? Is that the combination that, that you'd be going for for, for Inter as well? I thought they were a very good, very good controlling combination. Um, but I wouldn't go with that on Wednesday. I think ultimately you guys are right. There's there's a at least a fifty percent chance that Henderson lines up and it's and it's Fabinho and Thiago alongside him. I just wonder though, and those words from Benitez about whoever controls the ball will prevail in the in the tie over the two legs, they're ringing in my ears a little bit. And the fact that Cater virtually played the entire game, didn't he, at the weekend? I think Milner came on for him in, in injury time, wasn't it? So that's that's a long stint for Cater. Um, and as much as he is in good form, as you guys have mentioned, you can certainly make the case for him. But that, that Elliot was an unused substitute. And we've seen him thrown in in big games this season, like Chelsea, obviously. And we just know the high esteem that he's held in at Liverpool. And the fact that Henderson's form, you know, he's the captain. He's been on the European stage all the way to, to lifting that trophy, hasn't he? Um, and, that, you know, no, no one could begrudge or kind of, criticise the decision to start him despite how it went at the weekend but I, I just think I think Elliot has a better chance of keeping hold of the ball as things are right now it's a huge test and like you know it's it's um, it's it's a much bigger arena playing away in the Champions League at Inter than it is playing at home to Chelsea despite how good Chelsea have shown themselves to be this season certainly at the start of the season but yeah I, I think I think you can take one risk with this lineup, given how good the defence are at the moment how settled they look how good Fabinho and Thiago are playing and I wouldn't take it with the, the fellas up front, which we'll come on to, but, but I would take it by starting Elliot. Yeah, five subs as well, isn't there, of course? So you could always make a change if you needed to. So that would certainly be something to, to look at. In terms of, of the front three, Ghosty, I'm going to go Salah, Jota and Diaz. Again, thought Diaz maybe would start possibly one of the weekend or, or this one, similar to yeah. what I thought last week. So probably makes sense to, to bring him in and that would leave Sadio Mane and, and Roberto Firmino on the bench for me. Yeah, it's not not bad options to have, is it? Um, I think he'll go Jota down the middle, and I think Mane will start ahead of Diaz. But uh, it just looks so so positive now with those forward options, doesn't it? For so long, it was relying on Minamino and and Origi to pull one out the bag, really. And you know, it's fair to say. I mean, Minamino's goals to games record is, is superb this season, to be fair. But I think you know, there's still big question marks over whether both have. You know, unable to cut it long term at Liverpool, but now it's 
five uh, genuine options into three and, and you're not too worried which one starts. But I'll, I'll go with Jota down the middle uh, and Mane on the left. Yeah, Salah, right, Jota in the middle, Sean. That's pretty much nailed on, isn't it? But would you go for, for Sadio Mane? I mean, I suppose my argument for, for Luis Diaz would be Obviously, it's a big game to come into, but it's it's not like he's not played in the Champions League before. He's impressed in that competition for Porto, so I'd be going for for him. But do you think Klopp might play it a little bit safer almost and, and go for Mane? Yeah, I think so. I think it's looking back to that Atalanta game, isn't it, where those three, Mane, Jota and Salah, absolutely put them to the sword, looked electric, were swapping around positions and just almost looked like the future of Liverpool. Obviously, that was in the, the pre-Diaz days and he's going to have a huge say isn't he over the next few seasons but again I'm looking at those games Norwich and Leeds two teams who are in pretty dire straits and are flaky at best and probably will have to come to Anfield and have a little bit of a go and I just think at least one of those games they are starts and, and hopefully hopefully he can get his, his first Liverpool goal in Um so yeah it's it's I was going to say tried and tried and trusted, but that would probably be Firmino, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's 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 Jota Salah Mane for me. Yeah, Jota very much trusted these days as well, isn't he? I think he falls into that same category. Um, just before we finish, then and, and before we leave you, we will uh, make our score predictions. I'm going to go two nil to Liverpool. I think I really do fancy them to, to go and make a bit of a statement in this one. Gorsty, you said before you'd take a score draw. Do you reckon that's what it's going to be? Yeah. Um... I like your optimism, Matt. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I just think, I mean, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen anything of, of Inter Milan, if I'm honest, but I know that's the, uh, the pushing hard for to retain that Serie A title. Um, Liverpool made short work of Serie A leaders, didn't they, over, over the two games, Milan. So if that's a, you know, a similar kind of comparison. Yeah, I, I think Liverpool will, will be happy to, I mean, obviously the way goals you, you mentioned, they're kind of, Rule that and whatever else, but I think uh, the pool can get a draw, they'd be absolutely um, well, they'd more than take that and fancy the chances back at Anfield. Yeah, into very much probably going into it thinking they probably have to win at home, they won't fancy having to, to come to Anfield to, to get a result, Sean. But how do you reckon it might play out? I don't know if this is because I've mentioned Benitez what seems like about 30 times so far on, on, on this pod, but I've got 1-0, one 1-0 nil, one nil away win. Someone's swivelling on the edge of the box in the second half and <laughs> I'm banging it in in my head. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Fabio yeah. Aurelio assist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plenty of options, unfortunately. Fabio isn't one of them, but it uh, be interesting to, to see who Liverpool go for and, and how they get on, of course. Plenty more build-up and reaction to come in all of the usual places, but from myself, Matt Addison, from Sean Bradbury and from Paul Gorse, that's all we've got time for for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.